Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into any more good conversation, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off here and uh, say to those listening, hello, and welcome to this episode of Shoot the Breeze. It is usually my wife, Lacey, and I who uh, just chat back and forth and and shoot the breeze. We're creatively titled. Um, <clears throat> and But today, I'm super thankful to welcome uh, a guest. Her name is my uh, good friend, Kate Morris, who wrote the book. Beyond the Siege, if you're listening to this, I'm holding up the book. If you're watching the video, you can see that I'm holding up the book. Um, it is, and it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic book. A couple of years ago, uh, Kate and I had I'd written this in my email last week. Um, but a couple of years ago, I, was, I went through one of the deepest, like, darkest depressions I've had uh, in memory. Uh, back even to when I was a kid, um, a lot of it coming out of my own disappointment with where my health was at. I had just come out of a non-emergency that turned into emergency surgery and um, just a lot of disappointment with God, with where my life was, with where the lack of perceived success with our ministry, um, just disappointment. And you would ask me during this time, uh, to read your book, Beyond the Siege, and it was, I, I would say there's, there, there were several uh, key things in the book that uh, really, all said and done, it was about a year of being deeply, deeply depressed, but it was about the middle of that that I read your book, and there's several key things that fueled even though I was maybe actively depressed outward, there was still some things lingering in the back of my mind that you had stated dealing with the enemy's attacks, how to overcome the enemy in those attacks, capturing thoughts that stuck with me. And I would say continued that uh, dialogue that I had with God, even amidst this, this dark season of my mm-hmm. life. Um, so first and foremost, thank you so much for for writing it and thank you so much for uh being led by the lord to be so vulnerable even within the book um because it's your vulnerability that really opens up the story and the points that you wanted to get across it comes out of your story your vulnerability and then i love how you apply the the passage of scripture you did it is such a fantastic it's the story and you can actually speak to that kate um you know the story that that you told sure well it it was it's still ironic to me that that particular passage of scripture was what got my attention what that the the holy spirit used to capture my thoughts and my uh, uh, was my one of my greatest battles that I fought, and my battle has been with suicide or the the thoughts and the threats of suicide and the imaginations of it. And so, um, yeah, amazingly, and it was it was a message by um, 
uh, speaker, um, Daryl Darren Lindley, which you've yeah. probably heard at yeah Church on the Rock. Yep. He spoke it um, in Wasilla. We were at one of the times, and he spoke on this message, and it was out of Second um, Kings uh, chapter six and seven. Yeah, and it's the story of Israel being besieged by. Um, an enemy army and there's a famine already in the land anyways but the army um the military takes advantage of that and the people start starving out in the city yeah and yeah and so it becomes this really desperate situation and as he told the story and, and you know it's written right there in scripture not many people preach on this passage and i can see why i mean you, you can't drink coffee on sunday morning and then go listen to the story and <laughs> not the most encouraging by. right 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 Right. <laughs> it's not like when you would put on a coffee mug and be like, oh, yes, the time that they ate their babies. Hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I often thought maybe the subtitle of my book would be Don't Eat Your Baby, because that was... That, okay. You know, I will say that. That was what the story was about, right? I think yeah. you could sell a lot more books if you had put that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, it's probably true. It's probably true. So you have mm. these desperate, you know, moments, and the story in, in Chapter 6 is two women who strike a deal. Yep. Um, let's eat my son tonight and tomorrow night we'll boil and eat your son or cook and eat your son. And so one night they eat one boy, but the next night when it's time to eat the second child, that mom hides her son. And it's this huge injustice that, mm. that this woman now needs to make right with the king. This woman said we could eat her son and now she's hidden him. And, you know, he's, she's angry about this. Um, and then, uh, but chapter seven tells a story of four lepers outside of the city in the exact same situation, no food, dire circumstances, death is coming to them. But on top of that, they have leprosy. So they were, you know, in the process of dying anyways, probably much more weakened physically having not eaten in plus this, you know, uh, attack in their physical body. Yeah. They make a decision to start marching towards the enemy's camp and think maybe we can have mercy because we'll die here, we'll die. we can't go in the city, we can't stay out here. And um, so chapter 7, their story is that God causes their feet to sound like an army, a military. Mm -hmm. And the enemy hears them, the army and military, and they freak out. They think the Egyptians and Hittites have been hired to fight against them, and they flee for their lives. And that day, the whole mm -hmm. siege for the entire city lifts. Mm -hmm. So you have these two contrasting stories of people in exact same hopelessness, and their decisions make history. Yeah. And that's what the Holy Spirit just got my attention with about desper desperation, what it makes you contemplate, and yeah. that your choices make history and they affect generations it's ultimately. Yeah. And it's a fantastic read and we'll get more into it, but I'm a horrible host and I, f I, I mess something up every time I interview someone. Kate, can you give us your name? What do you do? Your relationship status? All, all of the basics. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my name is Kate Morris. I was born at a very early age. Um, I uh, I married my husband, and I've been married for over twenty five years. His name is Jamin. We have four children. Three of them are raised and out of the home, and one still in high school. And um, We've been a commercial fishing family. Primarily, that's been my husband's role, and I have taken care of children, but we fished as a family for a few years. Um, but I, I, uh, I teach and speak. I'm an evangelist, speaker, and worship leader, and primarily 
well, I guess now an author mm -hmm. having finished my book finally, but um, <laughs> I spend most of my life communicating, using all those words that a woman is supposed to use in an average day. I, I try to make good use of them in some form or another. So, <laughs> yeah. And you've, you've led several, um, like prayer meetings, things that I've attended, um, even some of the, we, we call them encounter weekends uh, at the church we attended there. Um, fantastic worship leader, uh, just such an amazing gift and uh, ability uh, there. So yeah, you're saying you're, we were, we were talking before uh, we, I entered, I didn't introduce you. Um, you were saying right now is, <laughs> is kind of like the off season for fishing, but now you're taking care of the boat, getting stuff ready to go back out this next season. Right. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's gone. Like Jamin's gone right now, preparing the boat and you are using your gifts to talk. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Anyone will listen. And yeah. I think I mentioned you, I've talked to the dog a whole lot more than she's probably willing to take in, but <laughs> even, yeah. even she just kind of wanders off. No, um, okay, so I have a couple questions that I ask yeah. all uh, all my guests. First question for you is, what is your favorite way to waste time? My favorite? Oh, I, I might be like you in this regard, Nate. I okay. like to research. I don't know. I don't know if you, I know you're a researcher, but I yeah. love to research. I spend hours and hours chasing um, ideas. Okay. Yeah. I now I do have to clarify because Lacey is the one who has the gift of like researching. I don't mm -hmm. want to steal that from her. I only research things I'm uh, interested in. She she'll research anything. Like if she you know she'll research, it. but it's like but I spend years researching one thing. So everyone in my life becomes um, exhausted by me because I have that one thing. Are you like mm -hmm. that or do you research multiple things? Are you like like YouTube and got to watch all of the videos on that one thing and then read all the books or what like what how do you research stuff? Well, I I might be a little more inclined to things I'm interested in too or things okay. I'm teaching on or okay. things I have questions on. Yes, yeah, so that is interest, but yes, it, it's books, it's YouTubes, it's interviews, it's yeah, anything I can find, um, conversations, and I try to tie things together. And yeah, I, I, I probably use all avenues. Okay. I think I. <laughs> a, a so a follow up question to you being a researcher: Would you? Are you more of a, a movie person, a book person, or an audio book? Like, what would you? If you had to pick one media, what would you do? Well, I learn best with visual okay so videos will always capture me first um as far as like movies like movies in general i'm not a movie person like i don't watch a lot of movies and i'm not really i don't know actors and actresses and that kind of stuff too too well mm -hmm. but i yeah i would do youtubes you know and and uh, documentaries those kinds Ooh. of things yes i'll watch those have I you read but no sorry i was gonna say have you seen ken burns the dust bowl I haven't seen that one. Oh, oh, Kate. Is that a documentary? Yeah. Ken Burns. Tell me you know who Ken Burns is. I don't know who Ken Burns is. What else has he done documentaries on? It, like, he's the he's the documentary guru. 
You well, for Quentin's sake, I should pay attention to the credits when they roll. Kate Morris, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I feel like you've never watched a documentary until you've seen a Ken Burns one. Well, I might. What if I fall into that category, Nate? What am I going to do? How will I ever recover? This interview. This interview's it, over. It's over. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was no. really great talking yeah, to exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. Right, our time. <laughs> no, okay. So, dead serious. Um, the library. Well, yeah, no. The library there in Homer should have them. I think that's where we, Lace and I, kind of binge watched them. Um, but it's Ken Burns, and man, he's done everything from like the Holocaust, the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression, um, the West. Uh, there's. There's so many. Like, honestly, hey. there's so many. Um, just honestly, Google Ken Burns documentary, and I recommend any of them. Literally any of them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, I've seen bits and pieces, but yeah. No, okay. So I, I had interrupted you. You said you were, like, That's books, what? going like, moving on to books. You were talking about, oh. yeah. I'm just saying, I like to read, too, and uh, I read a lot of books, and um but you're asking, yeah, my preferred method would probably be, I love, I learn so much better visually. Okay. What is, uh, what's your favorite book right now? Hmm. Favorite right now, man. I, I tend to read several at once. Okay. Um, okay. I'll tell you what the, the book that has made the biggest impact on me in the last two or three years. I think I read it within two or three years and I keep recommending it. And I don't know if you've read it yet. It's called, um, the insanity of God. And so Say that, sorry, say that one more time. And so, um, The Insanity of God. Oh, no, I haven't seen By Nick that. Ripkin. Okay. So that book, um, I think especially because of what we've lived through here with this pandemic, this COVID thing, we've had, uh, that book in particular just gave such fantastic insight to how a believer, uh, how a, a believer goes through difficulties and it goes to a greater extreme, but the, Nick yeah. Ripkin, um, he interviews the persecuted church in the second half of the book mm -hmm. and the gems that come out of there. I'm telling you, Nate, I just, yeah, it, it changed the way I was looking at uh, viewing my faith, viewing life, viewing how you walk forward. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, of course, inspired by the persecuted church for sure. But the, some of the quotes from there, some of the things that they did, uh, how they would encourage themselves, I realized, wow, that, I've got some work to do in some of those areas. So it, that book yeah. is really, really incredible. Have you read the book? Uh, I just finished it. Uh, it's called Intercessor. Um, I read that one? Yeah, yeah. I read that years ago, so I can't say it's real fresh in my mind, but I remember reading that in high school. I just read it. And I, I don't know of any other book that I've read recently that has had such a very awkward and weird uh, impact on my heart and mind. Um, I, I usually, I'm more of a facts and figures footnote guy. Like I, that's my bread and butter. I like, I like that type of genre. Very rarely do I read a biography, and I never read like a novel. Um, but Reese Howells, the the intercessor, um, man, that challenged me in all the all the ways that I I'm uncomfortable with. 
and fan, <laughs> in a fantastic way. I right. mean, in a fantastic yeah. way. Um, yeah. I just finished it. Uh, so I'd been going through, you know, reading it for the last couple months. Um, and man, my perspective of even here and now and what we're, what we're having to deal with right now, just a, it really helped um, give me some perspective and anchor um, mm-hmm. my, my crazy thoughts to something uh, holy and good. So anyways, <laughs> there's for all of our audience, there's several books there that we recommend. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Always good. Always good. Awesome. Yeah. Crazy thoughts needing an anchor. That's a really good point. Maybe that could be the next, the next book, you know, uh, you, Hey, that's, you can use the title, but it's trademarked now. <laughs> that's right. That's um, right. okay. Another question for you. Um, first response, fight, flight, or flee. Uh, my my first response used to be flee. Now my first response is fight. Okay, okay. But that's um, taken a little, a little doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think if we're naturally prone to one uh, one thing, uh, you know, dealing with our identity, resolving past issues tends to help uh, bring balance to that tension, right? Instead of just always fleeing. Like oh no I can fight on this one or, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Last last of my pre questions before we talk about something important. Um. <laughs> what what makes you feel the most cared for? Uh, is it gifts, quality time, being served? Uh, is it encouraging words? Is it physical touch? Like what what would you be like? Eh, this makes me feel cared for. Oh, I like out of the five love languages. Um, uh, quality time is certainly number one for me. Okay. I'm, okay. Yeah. What? And I realize that's how I give too. Like I'm, oh. I'm horrible about giving gifts. Um, there's a lot of things I gifts of service. There's I've like a limited scope of things that I feel like I'm any good at. Yeah. In give, gifts of service. So, but quality time, I'm like I can do that. I can give quality <laughs> time. So awesome. That tends to be how I yeah receive it yeah. too. Quality time. Um, one of the, uh, I was going to say, I don't think you've ever given me a gift, but you've given me some of the best advice I've, uh, ever been given. Um, I'm not, I'm not joking. You, you, you had, uh, we're looking at potentially leaving Alaska. So this was four years ago, wanting to launch our big ministry, cultivate. It's going to be super successful. Um, and... (laughs) You had, you had given me a piece of advice, and that was to test the ceiling. Um, I was like, hey, I feel, you know, trapped where I'm at. I'm out. And you're like, hold on. Test the ceiling. Like, you feel like you're hitting up against a ceiling. Test it. And uh, this is literally the only other note that I have that I wanted to bring up. Because I wanted to thank you so much for that piece of advice. Because I've applied it so much like when I feel stuck when I feel as though I'm hitting the top limit of what I whatever it is what I feel like I'm at um, those words have continually come back to me test the ceiling if you feel like you're at the end test it and see like see if that's some things uh, I break through and it's like okay that wasn't the ceiling other things it's like 
yeah, I feel feel like that's <laughs> so those of you mm-hmm. listening uh, or watching, that is my piece of advice for you if you feel stuck via Kate Morris. Test the ceiling. <laughs> there you go. Test the ceiling. It, yeah. Right. And I you know, it plays into a lot of the things that even you wrote in your book on love about how our lenses or how we perceive the things around us. Sometimes our own perceptions become our ceiling and mm. and then um, we get stuck. Yeah. We get stuck. So yeah, we have to we need to know, yeah, is this really a limit? Is this really something either imposed on me by others or is this something that I'm imposing on myself or is this just, you know, imagination um, issues? And so, yeah, I, I found that and well, and then in writing that book beyond the siege, um, the siege works that way, that brilliant warfare strategy, which is to make people think they are trapped in something. Yeah. Um, you know, ceiling or walls or, or whatever. But once you believe you're there, right, then your your options start diminishing and you yep. live less. Yeah, you start getting rid of, um, you start getting rid of important things and eventually you start sacrificing um, very special things, very mm-hmm. things you would have treasured before. Mm-hmm. And um, so you've got to, even in a siege, you need to test that. And that was something that the Lord was teaching me in that too. Um, and my, is the enemy really this close? You know, like if you, in those stories in second Kings, you know, the people living inside the city couldn't leave because the enemy was, you know, so near, but the four men outside the wall were like, I don't see him around you. Right. You know, the camp, you know, and they had to walk a great right. distance to where the enemy was. So the perspectives are different, but a siege will try to tell you that the enemy's everywhere. And um, when you walk outside of a siege, you test your ceiling. Sometimes you find out the enemy's not that close. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, We've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. You just made a statement that, um, you just said something that I, I think we, we understand, but I think we don't understand the cost. You said, uh, some to the effect of like when we're in disappointment, when we're in um, we're in those moments, we tend to sacrifice things that usually we love or we that are important mm-hmm. to us. Um, and I, man, I I just wanted to highlight that because I think you know what that's what disappointment does. That's what not mm-hmm. resolving unmet expectation. That's that's what a loss of a dream that's you know we we if we stay in that city wall if you will Mm -hmm. we 
it's we start eating our babies we start eating even the dreams that we have the our future it's like okay because i'm disappointed right now then uh you know what i'm not going to try for that thing that next thing because uh, it's not going to work out which that's our baby right like that's something maybe god had a dream god put in us and we sacrifice that dream on the Mm. altar of right now's comfort like i'm not comfortable right now i'm disappointed i'm frustrated i'm bitter i'm angry what whatever um right man such a such a good good point um yeah that would no that one just resonated with me and uh, it becomes you know this lives us even um and part of like what i had learned in reading that book the insanity of god um was that some of the there were some pastors that and christians who lived during the time of the iron curtain of russia for mm-hmm. instance and when their, when their churches were being taken over by the government and there were only state-ordained churches that people could attend and there were certain rules and all those kinds of things, the, the Christians in those churches that refused and resisted and ended up you know, going to prison, some of them sent off to uh, you know, Siberia and, other, and, and beaten or even killed, their children, because we're like two generations away or more now, maybe three from the Iron Curtain, their children and grandchildren are still serving the Lord. But they made this observation in that book, too, that the Christians who complied and softened and made their faith match the government's mm. um, uh, faith, their children and grandchildren are not believers. So there was something about that, looking at that, saying, hey, it matters how you live for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Because, you know, 50 years from now, when our children or grandchildren are asking, is God real? Is any of this worth it? Whose stories are they going to reference for that, right? It's going to be your story. It's going to be mine. And it struck me when I was reading that book and looking at that, saying, wow, even though right now I don't have any grandchildren or great-grandchildren, my decisions right now will affect them. Yeah. And that was, that, was a, that was one of those things that the Holy Spirit put in my mind, you know, that you have your decisions outlive you. And so like you're saying, when you start to give up things, when you mm-hmm. start to say, forget it, I'm not going to follow through, I'm not going to do, I'm going to choose comfort, usually that's... Uh, as those our first temptations are to go for the things that are easy, um, go for the things that kind of placate our sorrows, right? Yeah. yeah, make us or numb us or kind of soften the blows. Some of those have generational consequences. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many pe- I've met people who just like, you know, I, I just couldn't, I just was so stressed out, had such a difficult time, and a friend offered me a, a pill. They said this would really help you, and I don't usually do pills or drugs, but I took one, you know, and then I was like, I was hooked. That one little decision just to get a nap, yeah, you know, yep. affects for a long period of time. So yeah, those are the those little strategies of the enemy against us. You're right. When when we start to feel like our options are limited, the panic sets in, and then we start to, I don't know. I think about the wagons going west in Oregon. You know, now you're throwing out the bureau drawer because you can't take that, right? And, right, right. And yep. In some ways in life, there are things we 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 shed, but when it becomes yeah. Our life, 
yeah. or our health or our children's health or future or yeah, all those things. Those are the temptations the enemy wants to get us to act on right away. Yeah, I, I know for myself the the place that so that dark time, that 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 season of depression, that one year, things I said or even how I interacted with my girls, I'm still trying uh, because I felt like I lost ground, I'm still trying to make that ground back up. Um, now they're incredibly forgiving. They're incredibly gracious towards me, but I think because I made choices during that time that I'm now having to almost, uh, work twice as hard for their affection, their attention, right? I mean, I love them. They're my girls, but it's like, I have to put in uh, this sounds bad. More time than what I feel like is uh, should be necessary to maintain a relationship. I'm like having to do kind of double the work. Now I don't think that's gonna last forever. I, I you know like I said we have a great relationship now, but it's that I sacrificed because of my immediate disappointment. I sacrificed relationship with my girls uh, because I was disappointed. Like and that's what that's what. You know, that's what I was focused on is how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right because of that. And obviously, if, uh, you know, if I'm an unhealthy person and I don't resolve issues and I don't resolve my relationships, that would affect them for years to come. Right. Uh, thankfully, I have people in my life who um, <laughs> course corrected me um, and and just. Again, I, I feel like, you know, part of it comes down to just a willingness to absolutely seek God's face. Um, you know, that is one thing through this whole time that it's not like I never stopped believing in God or praying or anything like that. But it's just that one thing wasn't there and it just wasn't breaking through my walls. Um, anyways, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It. it if we don't resolve stuff, it will affect our children. It will affect those around us and it will affect years to come. Um, and that's one of the things where I feel like we do have to, uh, you, um, man, I, I love this part in your book where you talk about making, uh, like ownership, taking ownership of, um, let me see here. See if I can find, I have like so many bookmarks. Um, I have to find the right <laughs> bookmark. Blame. That's what it is. Dealing with mm. blaming others. Um, can you speak to how, uh, uh, like just tell us, why is blame bad? It, you know, it's that person's fault they did this. If they would have just done that. Like what are, for yourself, Kate, why is blame bad? Like why? Do, why is that unhealthy? Why is that a weapon of the enemy yeah you know the blame is um i think one of such a nefarious tool that the enemy throws in our path that it causes us to abdicate responsibility and what i mean by that is if it's always someone else's fault then i don't have to do anything right and and you wrote about this i know too in your book mm -hmm. unloved this uh, if I, if someone else is always responsible and I can always be a victim, I don't have to do anything. 
I don't have to grow. I don't have to learn any new habits or patterns. I don't have to forgive. I don't have to move forward. And what is on the other side of blame, when you flip the narrative back to responsibility, now, a lot of us were like, oh, I don't want to be responsible. I couldn't have, you know, what could I have done about that anyways? It, you know, I'm so powerless, blah, 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 blah. If you know Christ and if you are a new creature in Christ and you are joined with the Lord, your ability and potential and um, arsenal for help mm-hmm. is infinite. And I think that's what we forget. We just think, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, yes, there is. And the Lord will give that to us, you know, and gives us some strategy. And if, if I have any, as some people say, like, you know, I don't have any dog in that fight or not my circus, not my monkeys. Okay. (laughs) That's another way of saying it's, you know, I'm out. Right. Right. But what if it is your circus and what if you are responsible for some, you know, if not all of those monkeys, what, what are you going to do about that? Well, the Lord gives us strategy for that and God gives us help. And, and like you were talking about earlier too, um, when we, when we uh, break relationships or we soil relationships by our bad decisions, we've done things that have hurt people um, instead of, well, it's everyone else's fault or if the world wouldn't have been like this or blah, blah, blah. We take some responsibility or take all responsibility in some cases, but we say, I'm sorry, you know, yeah. just the act of please forgive me for, and we, we talk that through that alone is a huge healing step for a lot of people, not even, not just for us, but for someone to hear it from our lips. I'm sorry. I really messed that up. That, that was wrong of me. And those, those places become places for healing and an opportunity for God to step in and do the things we can't do. But there are plenty of things we can do, but blame. Yes. Blame is, um, it, it takes the responsibility from us. It's like sitting in a, um, I think I kind of referred to it in the book. I say, maybe you're in a lifeboat in the ocean. Blame has you just throw the oars overboard, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, if someone's going to come get me, they're going to come get me. And responsibility puts the oars in your hand and say, well, somebody may be coming, but I can at least row to, to show to shore in the meantime. So, um, yeah. Yeah. When I, I, as you're talking, some of the, like, one of the things that came to my mind is, is blame really is a victim's weapon. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, and we, we know that, if we're led by the spirit, you know, we're listening to his voice that we're more than conquerors with Jesus and to blame someone else. You're basically saying, Nope, I'm not a conqueror. No, I am a victim. And, um, I'm, I'm, you're exactly your point. I'm throwing in the oars and I'm just going to lay here and let the sun cook me. Um, (laughs) I, that is, that's, I think one of my uh, biggest uh, things that have frustrated me as of late is is people desiring to see God move, people desiring to uh, whatever it is in their church or even in their life. They want some some victory somewhere in their life. And rather than putting themselves in positions to... Uh, where where that's moving it's like they they withdraw from relationship they withdraw from from people they withdraw from even god and they're like well how come this isn't happening in my life well it's because of covid it's because of the government it's because i lost my job it's because of this person who said this about me 
And rather than owning responsibility at how your response, whether owning responsibility for the next actions, they're, they're well, God, you know what? I'm, I've been praying about it and I'm just waiting for God to move. Oh, he's moving. You're just not at the place where he's moving at. And mm-hmm. man, it, it does, it, it, it goes I think it does go back to like our conversation on disappointment that it's like I if I'm so self um, focused, which I, I'm actually a big advocate of being self focused. Like, hey, what are the things in your life that are you know destroying it, right? <laughs> but it, it's it's almost this like, woe is me. I'm a victim. Excuse me. I'm a victim. I don't know. It just it. It just festers. It's like a wound that you keep ripping the scab off. It's not gonna. You're not doing right. anything. You're not give, doing any favors for yourself. And and so yeah, I see. Go ahead. Well, as you're saying that, and and this was I ended up writing about this too. Is I think we don't realize uh, we don't realize our habits and patterns and how we're responding to life. Like when you're talking about withdrawing, for instance. Yeah. Um. That that's a you know that's a natural. Uh, I'm going to say it's a natural reaction of humanity, but it it didn't come naturally. It came in the garden of Eden. That was the first Mm -hmm. place where this happens. Right. So when, when Adam and Eve did something that broke God's heart, that they knew that he said no to their first reaction was withdrawing. Right. And hiding. So if I look back now, that's the first place we see it happening. We don't see God withdrawing or hiding, which is how we usually perceive life. Well, God's not talking to me. He must not be interested. The truth might be that we're the one behind the bushes, you know, going, is, is he coming by? You know, right. he doesn't see me. And that that's becomes our, uh, for me, that's a red flag for me. Now, it took me a while, and I wrote about this in the book, but it took me a while to figure out my patterns and how do I recognize when I am about to be, um, you know, just smashed by the enemy because it's a gradual process for all of us. But step number one for me is what you mentioned. When I start withdrawing, Oh, I stop hanging around people. I stop answering phone calls. I'm not accepting invitations to places. I just don't want to go. Now, now, before I would just say, well, it's just, you know, it's just how I feel. And I can excuse it because I'm a human or it's a bad right. day. But yeah. now the Holy Spirit has brought my attention and I can't excuse it. Now it pops up as a red flag. Hey, right. where are you? So I went through Genesis there just that first encounter with um, God talking to Adam and Eve in the garden. And he comes to them with um, two questions. And then I added a third question and this is how I gauge where I'm at. So the first question God asks them after they have sinned and he finds them in the garden hiding, he asks, well, he first asks, where are you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, God didn't lose them. Um, oh no, you know, oh no, Where's, where, where are you, where did you go? But he's, he's giving them an opportunity to own up to where they right. went, right? And the same thing for me, where did you go, Kate? Where are you? Are you hiding? Are you hedging? You know, when you want yeah. to lie, when you want to fudge the truth, when you're avoiding it, all of those behaviors are, are uh, you know, they all come from that root of hiding. Yeah. So, the, so God asks, you know, why are you hiding and where are you? And so the Holy Spirit asks me those questions. Uh, Kate, where are you right now? I'm like, ah, dang it. And I've been I've been hiding for a few days now, you know, before sometimes it takes me a while to catch it. But then the second question that God asks Adam and Eve in the garden is, um, who told you? So um, 
you know, who told you you were naked? God asks them. And, and so the idea is when I'm hiding, I usually have some sort of narrative, some reason, right? Why am I doing this? Well, this or that, or like you mentioned, oh, the COVID, the government, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that narrative is now running my life. And so, um, God asking Adam and Eve that who told you, he wants them to source it, source it for me. Tell me where that yeah. comes from. And then I just add a follow-up question to that, uh, that I think God would have asked too. Um, was that something I would have said to you? That, Did that come from me? Yeah. You know? And if I can go, mm, no, it didn't. I can source it. And I can say, no, that didn't come from the Lord. Then I realize I need to get out from behind the bushes and I need to walk in the light. Yeah. So those are the processes for me that, and I use them probably on the daily, Nate. I think it's the, the Holy Spirit will just catch my attention and like, uh, you're hiding, you're hedging, you're, you know, walking on a uh, class. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Oh, there's something I'm believing right now. Well, and I think I think your your third question is asked by God in in a statement. He he says, "Let us create man in our image and in our likeness." Um, and so he creates male and female. He created them. And and what's interesting is with the temptation, he, using that Genesis 3 story, with the temptation, uh, the enemy says, hey, uh, did God really say not to eat this? And Eve is very confident. She goes, oh, yeah, nope, we're not supposed to. We're not even supposed to touch it. I'm not even going to look in that direction. Not going to do it. Like, she's very confident in her response until the enemy questions her identity. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if you did do this, you could be uh, like God. And it, it's, it's that subtle lie of in the beginning, God created them male and female in his image and likeness. And then the, the temptation comes in to doubt that. Yeah. But if mm -hmm. you know what? No, you're not, but you could be, if you got this degree, you could be if you went to this church. You could be if you read this book, listened to this music, whatever, hung out with these types of people. Or the converse of that, you're right, you're not that way, so you should do all of these bad things. Because, let's just face it, that's, that's your nature, that's who you are anyways. And, um, and I think, and it's funny that at the end of that story, both Adam and Eve blame right like they both kind of like <laughs> well it's her fault well it's the snake's fault and right. and i think blame is this is the is the uh, it's like the it's one of the blame is like the greatest enemy of maturity right like maturity only happens through trial and error and and, and all of this right there's it's messy maturity is messy but blame says no this is clean it's your fault if you didn't do this, I would not be in this situation. Uh, it, but yeah, man, just that whole story. I love how you <laughs> walk through that whole story. And even the questions, the personal questions, you come out of it. Why are you hiding? Where are you at? And, and I, oh my goodness, I love that question. Really? Is that what I said? Are those my words? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, that person's an idiot. Yeah, but are, are those my words? 
They should be. <laughs> is that what? so good though it's so good man that honestly that question is so good when it when i'm tempted to blame someone yeah but they're they're just a mean person yeah but is that my word for them no this is about me right now we're not talking about them so it's like man it's such a good yeah. So the other side of that is then we have to learn what are God's words? You know, what does he yes. say? What did he say? And sometimes for me, like I'd spent so many years in my own mental narrative of all of these roads I traveled down and for me it would be down the paths of suicide and ending my life because I, everything seemed to say, you know, you're failing, it's not going to work out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm so used to that path that it took a while to start you know, creating a new highway, a new highway system that goes to what does God say? Yeah. And that's been really, um, I mean, I'm still on that road, still pulling things out of his word and, and yeah. applying them. And I, I think I mentioned this in the book too, like my coming out of my, was inflicted a lot of the trauma and of my life it had to do with my father. Mm-hmm. And so my, my lens, how I viewed men, um, was yeah I, I had nothing good to say about them and i had ideals right. that i thought a man should be but I, as far as what i was encountering in the real world i couldn't find that and so it was one scripture one scripture it was the one you just mentioned uh well yeah genesis 126 that you know i want to make them in my image male and female and he he said they're good god when he created male and female when he was done he said this is good yeah and God asked me that question. He said, do you, re- you remember what I wrote? You know, remember reading that in the book of Genesis? <laughs> Reference that, Kate? And I, yeah, I made men in your image. And he said it was good. And uh, and the Lord said, so so what do you believe? Well, I don't believe they're good. You know, and so the Lord said, so, you know, which which one of these ideas is going to prove to be true? It's, it's going to be his. So I asked him to, okay, show me then. I'm going to need some help in unwrapping my pain. I'm gonna need some help changing my lens. And um, that one scripture about God creating them in his image and saying they're good started me on that path of healing. Mm. So now I couldn't cast all men into a category. Now I had to now look at what God said and begin to see the differences. So so blame also hides us from some of the biggest miracles Mm. too. Restoration, redemption, healing, even I would even say invention and yeah. um, exploration and things that would would uh, you know be a generational hope and positive moving forward it all gets cut off when we decide that I'm not going to do anything about it. Someone else's fault. Yeah. Have you? Um, do you have a? Uh, so I I'm an advocate for reading the Bible, but some of the most profound. Um, words that God has spoken to me is when I asked specific questions. Um, so for myself, like the, the thing that I generally, uh, if I, if I come out of a meeting or I come away from an argument with Lacey, like the number one thing I often, uh, am tempted to believe is that I'm not important. Like you don't have value. All of your ideas are, and what, what something, surrounding Mm -hmm. this idea of worth and or value or importance um and i remember i was in a i was in a uh, counseling prayer session and uh 
the the person had me pray god how do you view me and he said nathan you're important to me and it's like man i was crying i was like obviously there's verses in the bible right but i mean like it was that very personal word that i've had to go back to if i'm tempted to go down the the spiral of well that person doesn't th- care that person doesn't care about me that per- whatever it is do you have a word that you have to just constantly go back to uh, again this is all in context of you know we're reading we're praying we're doing all these other things that nourish our soul but is there like a truth that you've had to go back to coming out of conversations or something where you're like no kate it's <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know do you have anything like that i do okay. i do and and i my story in the book is really personal to this issue of you know suicide in particular and so i have in the past my the things that would fly out of my mouth would be things like i wish i were dead i just want this to be over um kill me now i mean even funny phrases that people use as funny phrases were just they weren't so funny (laughs) they weren't so funny because then here comes this right so one one thing that I I I just say is right out of Psalms David said it I will not die I will live to declare the glory of God and I actually say that out loud in the moments where my mouth is about to say the other and and then I anchor into it for a moment no I will not die I will live to declare the glory of God I will not die I will live to declare the glory of God and that helps kind of recalibrate me then for now what else and then i go to you know other passages of of his care for me yeah. um you know the lie one of the lies that i have been working at just beating down in my life and has, have had a lot of great victory and is this lie uh that others and um you you mentioned yours too like maybe you're not important so mine was your your existence causes problem and pain for others that's mm. that would be the lie that the enemy would highlight for me like when i went arguments or having frustrating times or whatever like and and so then the enemy would come with his solution so your non-existence would actually solve a lot of things and that's would start mm. the whole trigger so yes personally that's the one i start with like no i will live to declare the glory of god and then then I got to get about the business of living and get about the, get about the business of declaring yeah. the glory of God. Yeah. So I have to change what I say. I have to change um, maybe what I'm doing, um, my, my activities, my habits. I need to make a shift. And um, yeah, so that's one particular one verse that I grab right away. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's one of the things you had, you had, kind of touched on uh just a few few minutes ago was dealing with creativity and how um I think you were you were tying it what was it you were tying it to blame deal I I think it was like dealing with creativity in like getting out of circumstances is that right Mm -hmm. um can you speak into that or maybe let's i want to maybe land there something a little bit more positive but i think that is such a healthy mindset that if i were to look at uh financial issues lack of perceived success in our ministry uh whatever it whatever the 
daily entourage of temptations are. Um, if I were to focus my attention and energy and time on blaming, well, if so-and-so would have just promoted this, if so-and-so would have just shared this, or if that person wouldn't have done this, our finances would be here. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, those are not necessarily hypotheticals. Um, so, but like, what you're talking about. yeah, but like, that's the temptation, right? Right. And if I put my time, energy and effort into blaming, I'm not mm -hmm. actually doing anything to, uh, I want to say get myself out of the situation, but more accurately hear God's voice for his mm -hmm. ideas of how to get me out of this situation. Um, mm -hmm. do you have any, any thoughts, ideas, stories regarding that? And, and even give like, what advice would you have for people who are stuck in a relationship, stuck in a job, stuck in not having a job? What are your thoughts? Can you speak into that a little bit? Well, a couple of things come to mind. Um, I, one of my dear friends uh, is a, a pastor down in California, Manuel Luce, and he wrote a book, uh, Imagine That, Your Role as a Christian Artist. And I think he mm -hmm. talks about this when you're talking about creatives for a moment, because uh, we're naturally creative people because our father is a creator. And so we come by that naturally. And often people who are creatives, and I would say, Nathan, you'd fall into that category, and I fall in that category too, when we are getting depressed or stuck in a rut, the way out is actually to start creating. Mm -hmm. We have to put that back in it. So if it's not a discipline in our lives, if it's not something we've made as a habit, it's just something we do in our spare time. In order to get out of that, we have to become creative again, start doing drawing, coloring, re uh, writing, whatever, um, exploring technologies, whatever our creative side is. Um, and I thought that was really great advice. And he talked about that in the book. And because it is linked to our identity, Genesis 1:26, we are made in his image. And so creativity is a part of that. We also are linked to a God has, who has, uh, we, we call him omnipotent, which is all powerful, but it also means all potential. Hmm. So all, all possibilities lie with, within God. And, and if we have joined him, you know, in that relationship through Jesus, then we have access. To all potential we have we have access to his mind ideas and so we get limited for sure um, in a lot of different life circumstances where now I, I kind of look at it this way it's kind of like when you start just digging into your own pockets and looking at your own pockets and saying I've got nothing and when we start living like that we certainly have we certainly offer nothing to anyone but when we start looking at the bank account of God and um, oh it froze up there for a moment but if we look at God's bank account and realize that he made us co-signers right. on his account um, then we start writing checks and we start actually cashing them right mm -hmm. so what happens though with depression and discouragement and and I liken to it it, it it becomes a siege it's this invisible warfare around your head that makes you think you can't do anything about it yeah. um, it tells you your only option is to now self-destruct or, or destroy what's around you. Um, and it's a lie. And the, and what I've discovered for me too, the only way out of a siege is to actually walk out. 
I actually have to make a physical movement. If, if this thing has got me scared and I'm, and I'm in here, I've got to do something that gets me out. If I'm afraid to get out of the boat, like Peter, uh, and the disciples were and Jesus calls, it says, come on out. You know, we know that some of them didn't come out. We know that one got out. I've got to be that one to get out. Even mm -hmm. if no one else follows me, I have to do it. And that, that moves me out of, um, being stuck. The creativity of God, the uh, resources of God, the knowledge and wisdom of God. Uh, you know, Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. Yeah. I, you know, I've, we've been where you are and have been too, Nathan, in, in areas like, oh, like financial oh, issues and been you know, and, and, and it has been responsibilities of other people that have put things on us or done things to mm -hmm. us. And we've like, oh, how are we ever going to get out of this? Well, we learned something in that when we put our attention into learning, reading, uh, studying, some education, some financial counseling, that kind of stuff, we put that energy in those places. And there was a lot of things we took away from that, that we live differently now than right. we did then. Right. Um, but it's true in relationships. Uh, there are you mentioned people being trapped in relationships. Now you come from this background and I do too. If you've got a, a, a relationship where there's abuse happening, get out, yep. get out, yep. get out as quickly as you can. And, but don't do it alone. Get a group of people, get a team right. of people that are ready to help you make that transition, but you need to get out. Right. But if it's, you know, but if it's frustrations in relationships, you can't get over certain hurdles or conversations. There's still topics you can't talk about. Get education, right. go to counseling. Counseling's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Read books, get, uh, you know, it's, it's tools in your tool belt. It's yep. not, um, yep. it's not a big X on your head of failure. Can't, no. can't brain today. You've got the dumbs. It's all about getting tools in your toolbox. And so those kinds of moments, if we can, instead of internalize, instead of start eating our babies, so to speak, um, killing our, our own soul, our own creativity, right. if we can step up and say, I need, mm -hmm. I need some perspectives. I could use some more tools. I need some education and put our energies that way. Yeah. And we have something also that we pass on to our children. Yeah. When I think even more than, um, counseling will give you tools for your toolbox, like for long-term, but even just those moments where it's like, I have, we, we are incapable of solving this on our own. We need a third party. We need someone else to come in and help us here. And I like how you said um, dealing with get out in the context of making sure you're surrounded with people um, because you're absolutely right. If there's physical harm readily present, get out. Also, I think we've labeled a, things abusive <laughs> that are just irritating that are just frustrating that are just condescending and again it's within that group that context of relationship with others um i, I would say i've in in my years of meeting with people uh thus far i don't think i've ever had to counsel someone to immediately get out um and i think oftentimes that can be the first the first thing I'm just going to leave. I got to go, <laughs> you know, and, but you're absolutely right. If, if there is physical danger immediately present, it, it harm immediately, like 
that is a that is a concern immediate concern get out absolutely but also if that's not the case be willing to stay you don't like again it goes back to that maturity thing it goes back to that blame thing of maybe staying is the best option and um and then get counsel get counsel get it get help get <laughs> watch <laughs> I put a caveat to that too, yeah. Nathan, what you're saying, because I think both, both people have to be willing to um, move towards healing. Both people need to start oh, yeah. marching yeah. towards hope. Yeah. And if it's just one person, um, that becomes a really, uh, really difficult yeah. place to, to maintain. Yeah. But, but it's true too. Like you said, sometimes you need a third person to teach you a new way to communicate. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. for these 19, 20 years of my life as a child growing up, you know, when I would do it this way, I got a response. If I got angry and I blew up, then suddenly people would finally do what I said. And so that's right. my pattern. You're not doing what I want. I get angry and I blow up. So you need a new pattern, right? right? Cause that doesn't work for long term. So yeah, you need someone else to say that might've worked for you then, but now, right. now you need something else. And to be willing to say, yeah, I guess that didn't work. Or I go off and pout and close the door and don't talk for three days. That used to work for me and I'd get what I want. Well, it doesn't work as adults and it doesn't work in jobs and it doesn't work in families. So right. yeah, you might need another communication style. And then too, when, when you're talking about relationships, you've learned to key off one another's trigger words or right. responses and you're ready for that. Next time they give you that face, you've got this backup plan, you know? So right. there's gotta be things like, uh, wait, can we have a do-over? That didn't come out right. Can I? Can we back up and restart? You know, and giving giving each other permission to do it different, to say it better, to those are really important. And if we didn't grow up with that, if we didn't have conflict oh, yeah. resolution in our homes, you got to learn it somewhere. And right. it's okay if you're learning it at 20 and 30. Just see if you can make that trip a little shorter for your spouse and children. You know. You know, if anything, if the last year has taught me anything, Kate, if all else fails, just peacefully protest. That's all. Really? <laughs> and I'm sure you have a definition for peacefully protest that. No, I... <laughs> I baited myself into a political conversation. Okay. Um, Kate, thank you so much. It has been fantastic talking with you and um, shooting the breeze. Uh, and... Man, I, I will say it to our anyone listening, um, please, please, please get Beyond the Siege. It is a fantastic book dealing with how to walk away from the enemy. There's so much more I had bookmarked in your book that I wanted to talk about dealing with capturing thoughts, replacing thoughts, all of these all of these things. Anyways, read the book and then we'll probably talk about it later. Um, and then, yeah, Kate, man, grab, do you know what? They're both on Amazon. Yours is on Amazon, right? It is. Yes. Get both of them. You can just get both. You can just click. I agree. Cause I yeah. think too, where your book picks up, Nate is, uh, practical applications. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's a great book covering a lot of the same topics, but with a lot of ways and methods and tools for breaking out of patterns and ideas. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm a proponent of your book as well. I, any, any book that is going to, you know, send people to freedom, Amen. get you marching towards hope. That's what we've got to do. And we've got to yeah. encourage, take people with us. There's yeah, no, 
all seriousness, um, one of my favorite verses of late has been um, Isaiah 60. Uh, talks about how darkness is going to cover the earth and 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 his light will shine through you um it man i i think we tend to look at our circumstances whether in our family politically whatever and think darkness is everywhere but it also says his light will shine through. And I think it just all is dealing with what is our focus on? Am I focusing on all the false prophets, the news, what this person is doing? Or am I focusing on what God is doing? Um, listening to his voice and, and being, able to, being able to be that light in the darkness. Um, man, thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for talking. Thanks, Nathan. For Absolutely. Um, and I w- we I we definitely have to keep talking because I'm I I feel like we could have had so much more, so much more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you, Kate, and um, uh, yeah, everyone listening. Goodbye. All right, blessings to you all. Thanks so much, Nathan. Bye.